This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Radio friends, today we turn to Nehemiah chapter 7 in our continued series on the book of Nehemiah, the man who returned to Jerusalem to build the walls of Zion. Chapter 7 is going to announce to us that the walls are completed. At first glance, as we peruse chapter 7, we might think that there's not really much for a solid spiritual meal in the chapter. It is interesting, perhaps. Nehemiah is going to appoint gatekeepers and singers and Levites to their various tasks. He's going to assign two men to give instruction within the city and to draw up a schedule for guard duty. He's going to find a registry of the people who returned from Babylon to find out the demographics of the people in the hope of repopulating the city, encouraging people to enter into the city and make the city their home. And then the chapter is going to end with contributions made for what we would call the general budget of the church, the funding of the work of the Lord in Jerusalem. And we might conclude that there's not much here as food for our souls in our spiritual pilgrimage, but that's not so. Every word of God is tried and pure. In fact, we often receive some of the richest and most satisfying spiritual food for the hungry soul where we would least expect to find it. The significance of the chapter, I believe, is best explained by comparing it to what we read in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. There, Paul speaks to Titus. And he says to Titus, You must establish the order of the church, the things that are yet lacking that must be established. God has established an order for his church, and that order is crucial. Nehemiah knew that order, and immediately upon the completion of the walls, he goes about to put things in order order for the well-being of God's people. So we must understand that there is an order that the Almighty has given for the well-being of His church and people, and that those things must be kept in order in the church, the worship of the church, the preaching of the church, the discipline of the church, the keeping of the care of the people of God, providing for the needs of the kingdom of God, the budget of the kingdom of God, all these things, according to God's own word, are crucial for the well-being, for the life of the people of God, and for the spread of that word. What was the first thing that needed to be done? The walls we read are up. A great work has been accomplished. We can well imagine that Nehemiah would take a vacation. That we, would, that we would find him sitting back and saying, it's done, we made it. But not Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah saw accomplishment of one task as the stepping stone for the next. And now the question that is before him is, what's next? What is the essential thing to do next? These were the questions confronting Nehemiah when the walls now were up. God had strengthened his hands to carry on the building project through much opposition, both within and without. But Nehemiah knows that walls of stone provide no protection without guards on the wall. And well-guarded walls mean nothing if there are no people living behind them in joy and fellowship. It was the spiritual life and the well-being of God's people which was the work of his hands, not concrete walls, not blocks and mortar. What was the next step? Well, we face the same question as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you hear this word of God today, and by his mercy you are a member of the church of Jesus Christ, a church that takes the word of God seriously. You need to find a church that believes God's word. And so we might say as we are in that church, what's the next thing? We have the creeds, we have the establishment of the truth, the congregation is gathering on the Lord's Day, marriages are being established, family and children are there. Now what must be done to maintain that? What must be done in order that all of those things serve their purpose? to build us up and to prepare us for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give us to live in godliness and to be faithful witnesses throughout the world of his truth. What must be done? Well, Nehemiah sees three things. He assigns three priorities, three essential things for the maintaining of the church. These are the things that must be set in order. Number one, Nehemiah sees the need for defense through men appointed to guard and rule. Number two, he sees the need of worship through the word of God. Number three, he sees the need of teaching through men ordained of God. Let's look at those three things. Number one, Nehemiah saw the need for the appointment of men for the guard and rule of the city, or what we read in verses 2 and 3 of Nehemiah 7, porters. Porters were gate keepers. They were guards. Now don't think of them in terms of bellhops at the Palmer house or elaborate costumes and long-necked trumpets. But they were in those days elite guards, trained, high degree of loyalty, men of courage. In the days of David and Solomon, Chirithites and Pelethites, orders of exclusively of elite trained guards. They were to check those who came in, to open the gates to citizens they recognized, and have a sixth sense, sense for danger. They had moral responsibilities. Nehemiah tells them that they were not, chapter 13, not to allow the heathen traders to congregate by the gates in the last hours of the Sabbath day. And then Nehemiah, in addition, appointed two men as rulers over Jerusalem responsible for its defense. Hananiah, my brother, says Nehemiah, and Hananiah, rather, and Hananiah. And these two men were chosen because they were faithful and feared God among many. They had a reverent and reliable personality. He gave them instructions for defense. He told them when the gates were to be closed, 
And when they were to be opened, and that they were to appoint watchers of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every man his watch over against his house. So for us, God has appointed for the good order of the church. This is what must be set in order for the church. Men for the defense of the church through their, through their discipline and rule from the word of God, namely elders and pastors. Isaiah 62, verse 6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Let's emphasize that these are men to be in the office of elder and deacon and pastor. The Word of God teaches men are to occupy these positions, not women. But men who are given the gift of faithfulness, reliability, and reverence for God to keep out of the church false teaching and unpenitent lives, and to defend and to care for the people of God. Men of loyalty, men of courage, men of love to God, willing to serve, not for their own advancement, not for their own name, but the true servant of God, who sees their own unworthiness and inability, but has a love for God, and for his people, and for his church. There's an application also to fathers, over your own house. We notice that Nehemiah says, everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his own house. The guard that was appointed at the section of the wall was appointed to guard the wall next to his house. Not He wasn't sent two blocks down, but over his own house. The kids sleeping behind him in the house that he could turn around and look at were his own each husband is assigned by God to be the guard of his family, to be the defender of his daughter's purity, of his son's manhood, and to deliver them from the impurity of the devil, a defender of his wife, a defender of all that goes forth and on in his home. He is to be the leader in the teaching of his children, joining with other Christian young men, Christian men to form Christian schools. You must not be as a father drowsy with this world, preoccupied with business and sports and leisure, but you must guard the wall over against your own family. The second thing that Nehemiah did to set things in order was to organize the worship through the Word of God. He says, verse 1, I set up singers. If you follow the idea of singers through the Old Testament, You'll find it fascinating. We do not have time to go into that fascinating history. But let me say that it is very plain from the Word of God that the singing and the worship of God and through singing was a great priority to God. Now Nehemiah wants to set this in order. He wants to set worship. Worship centered in praise to the Almighty. That's what he wants set an order among the people of God. He wants arising from Jerusalem to be the voice of singing and melody of praises to the Lord. Singers, you ask, is that a priority? Is that essential? Yes, it is. God says in the prophet Isaiah, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. 
the purpose of God in establishing his church, separated from the world, is that they might show forth the praises of him who hath called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Priority and good order in the church? The worship of God through his word. The setting down the order God has prescribed in his word for worship, and then joining together in that worship to praise God to gather together to sing, to lift up our souls in the voice in voices, to praise God for all of his goodness. The third thing that we must have set in order is teaching through ordained servants of God. We read that Nehemiah set up the Levites. The Levites were appointed not only for temple service, but to be Israel's teachers and pastors, to convey to the people the great realities of their faith. Remember, Joshua had assigned 48 cities They were for the Levites. They were to travel throughout those cities, teaching and preaching and instructing God's people in the hope of Jesus Christ. God had made this a priority. Malachi 2, verse 7, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priest was to show the people what God had said, and to bring to the people the knowledge of the word of God. So also for the good order of the church today. We must have men, number one, who rule, God-fearing elders and deacons and pastors. Number two, we must have sound, biblical worship centered in the praise of the living God. And number three, we must have pastors and teachers. So we read in Ephesians 4 that God gave some to be pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's a priority. That must be set in order. That must, above all things, be there. We must not allow anything to frustrate or to hinder that. There must be in the church regular preaching and teaching and instruction of our children and catechism. And so we pray. We pray for more pastors and for more preachers of the gospel. And then we place ourselves under the preaching and the teaching of the word of God by the church. We clear the calendar. We keep back the obligations. We prepare for Sunday. We're present in the church. We make Bible class a priority during the week. We receive the word as it is taught by the appointed servants of God. Now here are the things that must be in order if the church on earth is to prosper. We must appoint men to rule and govern in their office under the word of God. We must have the worship of God according to his word in spirit and in truth. And Number three, we must have regular instruction by his servants. These are the essentials. These are the priorities. This is what Nehemiah set in order. Nehemiah did this because he had a heart for the people of God. In the chapter, we learn that underneath all of these things that he was doing was an abiding love for God's people and that the people of God be spiritually blessed within God's city. We read 
that the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. The Jews who returned to the land had not repopulated the city. The homes that were there were dilapidated. It, economically, it was very hard to make it a go of it by living within that city, and rather the Jews had spread over the countryside in order to make a living. Now, Nehemiah, to remedy this, goes and gets a registry of all those who have returned. He makes an accounting. He finds out where these people are in order that he might now induce them to move into the city. We read in Nehemiah 11, verses 1 and 2, And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast lots to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willing, willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. This was extremely important. Extremely important from a human point of view. If Jerusalem was to be strong, it needed a population, it needed an economy, it needed homes, it needed buildings. But remember that all of this is the picture of the church. And this is representing the thriving people of God within the instituted church of Jesus Christ. That needs to be put in order in our day. It needs to be understood that there must be a living membership in the church, the body of Jesus Christ. A membership, a registry of those who God has brought out of the bondage of sin and now are listed among those who dwell in Jerusalem. People say, well, the church can't save you. No. No one ever said that it, no scripture ever said that it could. But the saved are in the church. You and I must be convicted that it is the will of the Almighty to be a member of the true church of Jesus Christ, that God's fellowship, joy, blessing are to be enjoyed there. How can men, how men can today pride themselves about living in a city, New Yorker, Chicago, Tokyo, Singapore? But this is God's own city. The church is God's own city. Populate her. Stay within the church of God. Marry in the church of God. Bring up families in the church of God. Labor for the blessing of the church of God. The church must not be desolate. The church must not be simply filled with old people. The church must not be a vacant home. But grow up in the church. Have your children grow up in the church. Throw in your lot with the people of God. Be, de be decisive in your commitment to the church of Jesus Christ. Be involved in evangelism in your own congregation. Invite your friends to come to church. Explain to them the glorious and wonderful privileges of being a member of the body of Christ. The church is to be populated. They are to be populated with the repentant children of God, with the grateful redeemed from those who have been delivered out of the bondage of sin. Not many left Babylon. A mere percentage of the Jews came back. Most of the Jews desired the prosperity and the comforts of Babylon to the land of promise and to the city of God which was decimated. It was the redeemed. 
It was those who knew the grace of God. They were the lowly outcasts. They were the little ones of the earth. And yet, they were the ones whom God had gathered and brought into His glorious church and kingdom. This must be set in order among Christians today. Love the church. Enter her. Be a faithful member in the church. The church where the word of God is honored, preached, confessed. If things are to be so, then we must willingly give for the funding of the work of the Lord. We read in verses 70 through 73 that the chief of the fathers gave for the work and gave to the treasurer of the work and gave for priest's garments. They willingly supported the work with their offerings, with their finances. We call that in the church, the instituted church, the general budget. We call that offerings for the general budget, for foreign missions, for mission assistance, for evangelism, for various works in the kingdom of God, represented both by the local congregation and throughout the world, wherever God's church is to be found. That is to be put be putting things in order. The offerings for the causes of God's church are the expression of gratitude. I'm here in the church to support that, to give as the Lord has prospered me because I want the work of God to prosper in His church. Those offerings tell of the direction of our life. They reflect the love of our heart. They tell people where we are at. If you want to know where a person is at, find out about how they use their money and what comes first. That will tell you where you are at. You say, oh no, that won't tell where I'm at. I'm in the pew every Sunday morning and evening. No, this will tell you really where you're at. What comes first in your checkbook. That will tell the direction of your life. Are you tight-fisted? to the kingdom of God and open-handed to your own desires, then you need to put things in order in the kingdom of God. You need, with me, to budget. Budget our money. First the church, first the kingdom of Christ, first the poor. Not first CDs, not first clothes, not first hair, not first boats, not first ourselves. Not first that the goal is for a young family to have this big house. That's not the goal. The goal is the church. The church is the Lord's house. It is God's cause. We love for the word of God. Pray that it may enter into our hearts with joy and conviction. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail 
at reformedwitnesshour.org.